0: it began in 1995. I would
1: like to introduce to you an exciting and uniquely Irish performance.
2: Riverdance has been seen by over 25 million people throughout 47 countries across 6
0: continents and played to a global television audience of over 3 billion. Now, experience river dance as never before on the As we go on a world tour from China well,
1: I've, uh, finally landed here in Guangzhou To
0: North America I
1: Arrived in DC
0: yesterday And back again to our hometown of Dublin Oh, yeah, you're yeah. from the producers I, mean,
3: I did think it had something special, it had a great potential The creative team I, I actually hated dancing
1: that's the truth.
2: And of course, the performers. From a young age, I've always felt that, you know, I will be on Riverdance and I will be a lead dancer. As they give you unique behind the scenes access Keep it to up. the past, present, and future of this international phenomenon. This is Riverdance, the podcast. We're like a little I family. I just wasn't happy and I knew things weren't right. Very tired. Here in Cleveland. she came off the phone, she says, they want you to join the trip and go to China.
1: I was so happy and proud to be.
2: I began dancing when I was four years old. Oh, I'm emotional. And I'm just so honoured to be a part of it. Five, six, seven, eight.
0: Hello, I'm Darren Casey, a dancer with Riverdance since 2008. And I'll be taking you on tour around the world, introducing you to the dancers, directors, producers and personalities of the show across this 10-part podcast series. In this first episode, we'll join up with the Riverdance cast and crew as they arrive in China for another memorable cultural experience. I'll take you backstage for an exclusive all-access pass. The same. And I speak to director and co-founder John McAlgan. Yes is beyond our wildest dreams and now we're having on making history and preparing for the future of riverdance but first stop is china and we join Porik moyle's associate director as he takes us on his long-haul flight from dublin to beijing
1: it's 4am on a cold and dry morning here in dublin the airport is packed long lines at all the coffee shops And I'm about to board my first flight from Dublin to Paris. I'll have about a two-hour layover in Paris before I board another flight to Guangzhou. Well, I've uh, finally landed here in Guangzhou. It's um, 11.11 Irish time as I speak to you. Uh, 7, just past 7 o'clock in the morning here in Guangzhou, Seven Eleven here in Guangzhou I have about an hour long taxi ride uh, to the South Street station but it took me about 20 minutes to try and describe where I was trying to go to my taxi driver um, he doesn't have great English and I have even worse Chinese one thing I always find strange in China or find interesting in China is uh, the driving uh, and they drive so so fast and although there's lanes and markers on the road, just weave in and out and your horn is used as a device to let other people know that you're coming up alongside them rather than to uh, get out of the way or let somebody know that there's danger. So the horns are constant. It's crazy. It's different. If, uh, if you were driving like this in Ireland or in the US, you'd certainly be pulled over within a matter of minutes. i here in Shenzhen um, on our way to the markets. I'm here with uh, Julia Gatz and Aaron, and both actually, isn't it funny all of us are Americans? I'm <laughs> here with a great taxi driver. What's your name?
0: Say again?
1: <laughs> so um, we're about, we're gonna, it's about a 30 minute taxi ride. Julia and Aaron have been on tour here for the last nine weeks. They're part of our social media team. So the three of us are gonna meet up with some of the rest of the cast when we get to the the markets. And uh, Julia was already telling me that she did a lot of damage in Shanghai. She bought a gorgeous um, Ted Baker suit. Well, it's labeled Ted Baker. (laughs) So Julia, tell us what else you got.
2: Lots of bags, a lot of long chomp bags, um, a lot of wallets purchased. For myself, I want to buy a Chanel, purse, the like quilted black ones I just think are really nice and kind of timeless so I'm hoping to look for something like that
1: A copy of the Chanel
2: Yes (laughs) Let's see what we'll uh, end up with today I guess
0: We'll hear how the Riverdance cast got on during their final show in China later in the podcast but for now let's speak to director and co-founder of Riverdance, John McColgan how are you, John? I'm very
3: well, received.
0: John gives us an exclusive insight into what's being planned to keep Riverdance entertaining the next generation of fans, while also looking back on over two decades of the show. February 9th just gone, Riverdance celebrated its 23rd birthday. Yeah. Did you ever, ever, ever imagine 23 years ago we would be sitting here right now?
3: No, of course I didn't. I mean, I did think it had something special. It had a great potential. I thought that we could get a couple of years in the UK, a couple of years in the United States and some Germany. So I thought maybe there's five years there and it would have been foolhardy to think beyond that. But this is beyond our wildest dreams. And now we're having meetings today about the 25th anniversary tour.
0: John, if you can cast your mind back to the very beginning, sure. how hard or easy was it for yourself as director, my producer, Bill, composer, as we mm-hmm. know, the choreographers at the time, how hard was it to turn the light off in the studio and say, that's it, that is Riverdance. That is what we're putting on the stage. That's the final product. Yeah,
3: I mean, I suppose it was for the transition it was triggered by the Eurovision Song Contest mm-hmm. interval. lab. Before
1: we get down to the real business of the evening, I would like to introduce to you an exciting and uniquely Irish performance, specially commissioned for tonight's show. Ladies, Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen Riverdance. River
3: Dance. So we decided that, you know, there was definitely something different. I'd been in the business 30 years and I'd never seen an audience of 4,000 people from 30 different countries who had no idea. What they were seeing jump to their feet i 've never seen that
2: performance that gave ever
3: us seen the indication that there was something special here mm. that connected with peoples of all cultures. So we decided to turn it into a show. Um, I felt at the time that we needed other deep-rooted traditional dancers so that the Irish dance was then not regarded as an international dance form uh, right. on a world stage. It was a sort of a cabaret for tourists. And I felt for Irish dancing to be taken really seriously, we had to see it up against flamenco yeah. and Russian and tap. Put them and all on the same all, stage. And so they could be all on the same stage and so they would hold that the irish dancers would hold Hold their own own. and that that as we now know more than happened and the irish dancers to this day are the stars of the show Mm -hmm. we have fantastic flamenco fantastic tappers and we have great russians but at the end of the evening it's the irish dancers who deliver Mm -hmm. and the boys and girls now 23-4 years later are a a different breed originally Irish dancers were competitive, they got ready for competitions, they danced for four minutes and they got awarded marks Mm -hmm. Now these guys uh, and girls do eight very tough shows a week Mm -hmm. so the body shape has changed Uh, They have to train differently, they have to eat differently, they're in a professional situation and they have to be all the usual things about professionals. On time, be fit, if you're not fit you can't dance, if Mm -hmm. you can't dance you can't work.
0: How long did the process, John, in getting all those other aspects apart from the Irish dancing? The Irish dancing, it got its name from the few minutes in the Eurovision. We knew that was going to work. Yeah. How long was the process in gathering everyone else, making sure that we got enough scope that for the other? Extraordinarily,
3: now looking back at it, I was naive to think because my background was television. Yeah. And we figured that we wanted to show up on the anniversary of the television production. Yes. So within one year of The Point... We opened again in The Point Mm -hmm. with Riverdance, the show. We all believed in it very much, but uh, we didn't know we had to raise, at that time, myself and Moy had to raise about a million and a quarter pounds. Archie were very supportive, a number of people were very supportive, and then a number of people who said they were going to invest in and so we were very close to the opening and we had to we had to do well we had to sell out to 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 make sense of it Mm -hmm. yeah and um we did a late late show just before christmas and gay had uh, michael flatly and jean buckler on and myself and moya and he was fantastic, he, and he had uh, a routine from the show, I think Riverdance, and he said, this is the perfect Christmas present, you've got to get tickets for Riverdance. River Riverdance, the show, will open at the Point Theatre in Dublin on the 6th of February next, that's 1995. Well, I think that was a big contribution, mm-hmm. but by the time the show opened mm-hmm. uh, and the body was sold out, so yeah. our, our financial anxieties were gone. The
0: entire stint, not a seat left for the entire there there stint. What was the enough. initial stint? What was the length of stay? I think Point. it was
3: two weeks. It started off very strong. We've changed it. We've polished it. I think, in, in fairness, Michael Flatley is a very charismatic dancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was different than any other Irish dancer in Ireland, certainly. He had influences from show business and Broadway, and he was a, a showman. Yes. Which Irish dancers are encouraged not to be.
0: At mm. the time. At the time, it was almost by you your side. and to be, Nearly lack to be of personality, up no to character up to that stage.
3: You had a sort of blank expression and you worked on your technique. Well, he really, you know, he was a showman and he was also a very fine dancer. I think that if, if if a culture stagnates it dies yes we were really sensitive about mm. what to do that you didn't take it to a place that was too tacky or didn't respect the roots and I think it was always clear to us that we needed to respect the integrity of the world of Irish dance and layer on top of that an ability to communicate with an audience and to express themselves and their culture in a in a very proud and and
0: professional way. John, which moment, post Eurovision, post the opening of The Point to the year later, which moment or, you know, it could have been a TV performance, it could have been something you saw about Riverdance, which moment did you stand there, maybe yourself and Moya, and think, we've made it?
3: From the opening night on in The Point, I knew we had something yeah. that was going to travel and that had legs and suddenly which is extraordinary. We were, we, you know, within weeks, we were booked into Radio City Music Hall in New York. We were booked into Hammersmith. And I think we were the first show that played three weeks in Radio City Music Hall. Oh, That's wow. a 6,000-seater theatre. That must theater. have been a moment. And that was booked out before we came there. I think that was really a moment standing looking at the logo Riverdance outside Radio City and seeing Liam Neeson and Ted Kennedy and a whole range of personalities filing in.
0: Was it ever hard to look at it from a director's point of view and separate director to John McCallum. this is my baby this is my no I
3: think they're they're intertwined uh, I, the director and me are the same kind of person so but I always had a, a real burning desire for as close as one could strive for perfection mm. and to demand that from everybody and demand it from myself and in return Everybody wanted that. People were in it wanted it to be the best they were could. And in the early days, we had some problems with some of the young dancers. There were kids, there were 17, there were 18. They'd never been out of their homes or their villages in some cases.
0: It was convincing people a big challenge then? Yeah,
3: some of them were Some of them were a bit indisciplined. Some of them went on the best some I of can't them were,
0: imagine.
3: <laughs> and I didn't we still them. have some of them. Well, there's a bit <laughs> of that. But some of them were, there was a lot of hangovers and a lot of partying. Which we had to address and deal with, and over the couple of years we did.
0: I suppose it was all virgin territory as oh, well. Yeah, there was they no. Didn't, I, don't, I thought book. they
3: didn't think it'd last yeah. longer than a year, so they were going to have a blast. Uh, but nowadays, everybody who comes to the show knows it's a profession.
0: Yeah, it's a job. It's a it's career.
2: A job. It's, a it's career. nearly
0: an unsung rule now in irish dancing if you are gifted and talented irish dancer you can look at your life ahead and say well i'm going to do well in my competitive career and then Mm. i'm going to apply to river dance
3: great thing to me about the the cast now over the last long number of years is the passion and commitment and professionalism that makes the show fresh every night our, our mantra to the boys and girls and musicians was every night is opening
0: night. just going to say, Tom McClellan, classic line, <laughs> every night is opening night. And I think from the the newest of new that comes in through the doors to people like myself who have mm. been nine, ten years here, that is something that we always say backstage, whether it's to someone in passing or it's like a, a legit it's a mantra, rule. Every yeah. night is opening night here in Riverdance.
3: It's hard work, but one of the things that gives me great pride is that I don't get anybody... Uh, there's very little complaints people seem to be happy they call themselves the riverdance family and we try and uh, encourage that concept
0: i have to ask every man to be proud of this fact anyone listening you've been working for a quarter of a century on one project with your wife yeah has it always been plain sailing
3: 90% of the time <laughs> well 85 maybe most that we agree because our our duties are sort of I am I direct and creative more sort a producer, contracts, finances, all of that sort of thing. But we work very well together. We very seldom disagree yeah. about the content of the show, about what's on stage. Uh, sometimes, you know, you get sick of talking about it because you go to work and that's the work and you come home and talk about it at home. But we don't do that as much as we used to. She has her own life. She's chair of the national television station, RTE. She's lots of other projects. So she has her own creative life. Uh, so, no, we, we still, you got the form, still, you still speak the to each other.
0: <laughs> you nailed the formula for yeah. early on. It's, as we say, Riverdance a well, it's been 23 years on the road. How does the new generation of the show look comparing it to years of old? Does it excite you?
3: Uh, Very much so, I I have to say, and uh, it it goes without saying that the dancers today are fitter, they're a different shape, they're professional athletes, Um, they turn up knowing the show, they turn up on time, Uh, they warm up, so they're professionals and I think they appreciate that they're respected and cared for. They appreciate that the from the producers, from ourselves, myself and Moya, Saporic Boyles and Julian Erskine and Sean Brand- O'Brien, everybody really cares about the show. And every single person understands. And I always say that it's a very broad triangle for people to work on the show, but the tip of the triangle, the people who go on stage every night. And if we're not, supporting them to go on stage to be the best they can be and we're not doing our jobs because everything is down to them. When the lights go down, uh, they're on their own. We're not there. They have to have in their heart the commitment that's not for me, but it's for themselves. They own the magic. It's their gift. It's their culture. And when they do that, when they concentrate on that together, they can see the effect that that has on the audience.
0: thinking back over the last 23 years as well, is there one moment particular, or maybe a few moments, mm. where you as a director look back on a decision you made? Mm. Maybe it was you know, today that we have got new, new numbers in the show, we've got mm. new material in the show. A decision, a particular decision that you made that you think, thank God I did that. Thank God I made that call.
3: Um, there's a number, there's, there's, there isn't really one. Give us a few. I really mean. love the uh, relatively new number, the Anna Olivia. <laughs> I had the boys at a great Distant Thunder number and I thought some time ago, I'd love to have something that showed the girls as a strong women yeah. and give them a strong sort of macho routine so that I really am um, pleased with that. In this production, the musicians are not sitting down, they're on stage, they're integrated with the dancers and I enjoy that. There's three fabulous, talented women there too. There's
0: very few jobs around the world where you get, at the end of your shift, a standing ovation for an average four to five minutes a night. That must be very proud that you've generously given that platform to thousands of dancers now. Mm. Do you take so much pride out of that fact? No, I really
3: do, and it's a chicken and egg. I mean, we've created the show, the I have to take some credit for the finale. I created it in some paper one time, Seven I mean, minutes. it's the longest finale in the business. What he does is it reminds the audience in 40 second bursts what everybody did. So you see the whole show and you can see them getting more and more excited. And uh, as it as it reaches the end of that finale, they, they, they jump to their feet. And you turn around and you look at the faces but they wouldn't do you could do all of that dancing you could do the choreography but unless your heart is there and your spirit is there and there is no doubt that there's mental telepathy between performance and audience 100% There's no doubt and if you're there and you do everything right and your mind is somewhere else but if you have 40 people dancing they have one thought in their head about themselves, the pride, that I'm, and they're transmitting that to the audience. The can, audience can literally feel that. And I've seen, you know, I, I lived in London for years, and I went to see lots of shows, and I would go to see a show that was, say, five years old, Yeah. got great reviews, and I'd be very excited to sit and watch it. And halfway through, you'd know they were on, on automatic... Autopilot. Uh, autopilot. They were line perfect, word perfect, but they weren't there.
0: Emotionless, yeah. yeah there
3: was there was no real emotion, and you figured that they'd do it the same way whether you were there or not, they were just, you know, so I remember thinking, if I'm ever in charge of a show that is a long run, I'll never forget the disappointment as an audience member, Yeah, you know, that they weren't fully there. I really respect how hard it is to be a good dancer, mm-hmm. it's, it's very hard. Uh, you have to be very disciplined. You have to work very hard to be. Everyone in the show is at the top of their craft. And I admire them so much that on a regular basis. I tell them, and I think the culture of our company is very respect. I think uh, I would like to imagine that on the road, we stay in, in decent places. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're looked after if there's problems. Um, we look after you or you look after each other. So there's a, there's a sense of being... Um, cared about and respected and admired
0: looking forward there's a new generation around us the 25th anniversary not so far down the road no you're in meetings you're in any exclusives that you would give river dances podcast
3: well We're looking at creating uh, uh, an entirely new visual environment, something with projection mapping. director
0: juice is starting to flow yet again.
3: It's very exciting. And uh, we have no plans to change the show very dramatically, certainly not the performance, because at your peril, something that's worked so well for 20, why would you uh, fix it? But I think visually, um, we can update the look of the show. We can update some of the costumes of the show. And when we go to put the 25th anniversary version out again, we will call a rehearsal as if it was a new show. Yeah. So we'll get everybody in a room for a number of weeks. We'll talk about who we are, what we are, and what we're, back a lot of <laughs> what we're trying to achieve. But in the meantime, uh, we're opening Heartbeat of Home for a 15-week tour in China starting at the end of September.
0: Looking back, if there was one moment off the top of your head you could relive, or do you live for the future? If there was one moment you could relive, what would it be? No, I, I, I kind of don't have an
3: answer to that because I couldn't pick one moment. There's dozens and dozens. I suppose the opening night in Radio City Music Hall is, is something you never forget. It's a 6,000-seater theater. It's the pinnacle of uh, the entertainment venue in the United States. It's known all over the world. And we had a, a, a huge... Audience, a lot of VIPs, Irish, Irish American, as I said, the Ted Kennedys and the Liam Neesons and the Gabriel Burns and uh, all of that, and I think I did stand uh, looking up into the auditorium and seeing six six thousand people standing and cheering at the end, and I don't think I'll ever forget that. I take personally enormous pride anywhere. And as I've said before, I've stood in the back of darkened theatres in Mexico and Germany and America and England and China. And when I feel that energy coming off the stage, when I look at the faces of the audience and how it's impacting them, when I see them jumping to their feet at the end and when I hear the excited, happy chatter as they leave the theatre, it makes me enormously
0: proud the wheel's not going to stop turning Riverdance the original the best we'll keep going and John thank you very very much for talking to Riverdance podcast
3: it's a pleasure anybody who's out there that's been to the show or going to the show thank you and if you haven't been to it you've got to catch it get, right. out,
0: get out from under that rock and get to the issue. <laughs> yeah. thank you John thank you very much
1: as the 9 week sell China Tour comes to a close. I have just got in from watching the show, uh, incredible show this evening. Um, completely sold out here in Shenzhen this evening. Uh, there was a huge Irish contingency in. Bobby Hodges, our lead dancer, was on fire. Louise O'Sullivan, who hadn't performed the lead in a long time, was her first time um, on this tour, and she was incredible. All in all, the show was extremely tight. I was watching the guys go through their rotations and their warm-ups earlier today, and it's just great to see the discipline and the dedication they have to their craft, to this brand, to them themselves as a team, as professionals. So all in all, a very long day, a very productive day, a very enjoyable day.
0: Next up is North America. So make sure to join me, Darren Casey, on episode two as I land in the USA. Very tired this morning brilliant to see it now, really. Yeah. Gorgeous yeah. DC Warner theme. And travel from DC to Louisiana and Pennsylvania to Indiana. No, it's, fabulous. it's a bittersweet day. It's the last day that the current cast will all be. Plus, together. I meet the Irish dancing girl who has experienced it all. Kira Sexton is one of the show's principal female dancers who has never been shy of voicing her opinion on the highs and lows of a dancer's There's no
2: negativity. career. Every time someone jumps onto the stage, everyone's I in a happy. it's a very odd feeling being at your happiest being on stage, but then sort of, as soon as you come off stage, just being in the sort of, not depths of depression, I don't want to be like dramatic, but I just wasn't happy. I met John McColgan and I was, as far as I was concerned, a retired Irish dancer. You know know when you come off stage and someone says, Darren, that fire dance was fantastic. And you'll go, no, it wasn't. Riverdance really ignited my sort of passion for touring again. (laughs) Oh, I'm emotional. I'm devastated to be leaving, to be honest. This is how good the company is at the moment. I've never had such a good time. Have you?
0: For now, as the curtain comes down on the China shows, we leave the last word to Associate Director, Oric
1: Miles. Every now and then you have to pinch yourself to realise how lucky you are to be a part of something that you love, to be a part of something that you're passionate about and to be in a position to influence people, hopefully, in a positive way as we all strive to make what we love be the best it can possibly be.
0: Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from and join me next time as Riverdance the podcast brings you on tour.